Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the paediatric medical education podcast. Remember, you can hear our entire back catalogue of episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and of course our SoundCloud. So please tell your colleagues and friends and hit that subscribe button. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi and welcome to this edition of the Two Peds in a Pod podcast. This is the latest in an occasional series on advanced clinical practice. I'm Rhianne Smith. I'm an advanced neonatal nurse practitioner in North Wales. Here with me today are two other ANMPs, Becky Joyce and Vicky Payne. Welcome to you both. Hi, I'm Becky. I work in Poole in Dorset um, and I've been qualified as an ANMP for almost five years. Thanks, um, Rhiannon, for having us here today. I think we're both really excited to be here. Um, I'm Vicky, I'm an ANNP, and I work in the Princess Anne Hospital in Southampton, and I also work um, as a Principal Teaching Fellow at the University of Southampton. Great stuff. So as far as advanced practice roles go in the UK, neonatal nurse practitioners have been around for a while, haven't they, Vicky? Yeah, yeah, we... I guess the the whole interest in ACPs or ANNPs started kind of quite a long time ago now in the 1980s but in but originally um they were already kind of in progress I guess in the US in the states in the 19 as early as the 1970s um and it was really all started you know in the Wessex region where where Becky and I kind of both work um and it was really kind of you know, the interest in them was sort of developed because there was this perceived variation in quality during kind of the rotational changes of, of junior doctors and GP trainees. So I think for me, I like to always kind of remember that it goes back to trying to improve quality and not necessarily about shortages in, in doctors and filling gaps on rotors. Um and there were so many similar conversations had then as we're still having now about, well, who's going to regulate us? You know, are we going to be a clinician with judgment and decision making or do you want someone to do skills and competencies? Um, and I think, you know, this podcast is really well timed because there is now so much kind of interest in advanced practice kind of nationally. You know, the the um, health uh, higher Education England um, and NHS England are now kind of hugely supporting ACP roles and so I think advanced practice is in is about to enter a really exciting progressive time I think in our history. Um, I'd, so I just wondered um, you know I think we've all got quite different roles and I think Becky you have quite a, a unique role as far as advanced practice is concerned could you tell us a bit about what what a day is like for you in pool? So yeah our unit in pool is slightly different to lots in the UK in that we have no junior doctors so we've got five neonatal consultants and our team of 10 NMPs um, with two clinical fellows so most days we have two nurse practitioners on a shift um, and one at night with a paediatric registrar as support in the main hospital, um, which is actually across the road. And then we have our consultants on call at home attending uh, delivery, uh, deliveries or um, emergencies if necessary. So as you can appreciate, that really relies on quite sound decision making skills and confidence and competence in assessing and managing whatever can come through the door. Um, it has been a super steep learning curve and most days still do present a new challenge. 
Um, as we all know, there are no, there's no such thing as a, a typical day when you're in A&P. No two days are ever the same. And, uh, <laughs> but that diversity is partly what I love about the job. So I started my nursing career um, 18 years ago on a level one special care baby unit in Dorchester, which now accepts babies greater than 32 weeks gestation. Um, And then I moved to uh, where I am now in Poole on our level two neonatal intensive care unit, where we've got four intensive care spaces, six high dependency and 10 special care cots. So we accept babies greater than 27 weeks and have an average of about 400 admissions a year. Um, during my training, I also worked on the level three tertiary unit in Southampton, where Vicky works, um, who obviously care for the sicker and smaller babies and includes a range of specialist services, including neonatal surgery. So essentially, my role on NICU in pool involves wearing one of three different hats. Either I'm covering the NICU, which involves presenting the babies on the ward round, implementing care plans, chasing results, performing clinical skills like cannulation and admitting new babies. Um, or I'm covering the postnatal ward or, and transitional care and delivery suite, which um, involves reviewing babies, attending deliveries, stabilising those babies before they're transferred to NICU. And then my final role involves preparing babies and their families for discharge and holding A&P clinics to review outpatients. Mm. We're also, as a team, allocated um, only one management a, um, day a month, which um, then we can get involved in audits and teaching and simulation training and things. So... Um, Rianne, is there any similarities or differences in your role? Um, yeah, well, some similarities, some differences. Um, the unit that I work on is called a sub-regional neonatal intensive care centre, um, which serves the needs of the population of North Wales, um, but it doesn't also equally fit into um, the levels of care model that you have in um, in England. Um, so similarities, we care for babies who are greater than 26 weeks um, gestation, and we also host the um, North Wales Neonatal Transport Service. Like you say, a typical day is really hard to describe. Um, I could be attending deliveries. Um, I could be doing going home checks on the postnatal ward. Uh, could be on the neonatal unit ward round or supervising um, our paediatric trainees with them gaining skills. My unit is really committed to us um, enabling us to maintain our four pillars of advanced clinical practice. So I could also be teaching, um, consenting families who are entering a research trial um, or attending departmental or network meetings. Um, If I've got my transport hat on, I could be retrieving or repatriating babies. Um, And in this case, I may be working um, quite independently in what what would traditionally look like a medical role. I would be the lead for that transfer. Or I could be part of a consultant-led transferring team for for the sicker babies. So how about you, Vicky? Um, Similarities and differences to um, how uh, Becky and I work. What about your typical day? Uh, Yeah, my typical day. So um, I guess um, I am a little bit different in that I actually now work the majority of my kind of whole time job post working for the University of Southampton. So um, 
uh, a typical day might be um, preparing, designing or delivering teaching materials um, for modules that I'm module lead for on the neonatal advanced clinical practice masters at the university. Um, I might be marking student assessments, um, but equally I could also be on nights or I could be on a weekend shift or, um, you know, uh, trans- like you said, we've um, also got <coughs> the Sonnet transport team at Southampton neonatal unit so I could be out on a transfer I could be doing my clinical role um it can you know it can be a bit difficult to juggle all of those things sometimes but um I think that that's what I love about it I love I, that's what I love about it I love the, the fact that every day is is really different um in terms of my clinical role I think I do something very similar to what you have both said in terms of leading ward rounds and attending high risk deliveries I think on our unit, we maybe are somewhere in the middle of the two of you in terms of the kind of non-management time that my fellow A&MPs get. So obviously, I, I, I work all of my clinical hours clinically on, a, on the rotor, but um, certainly my um, A&MP colleagues get somewhere between 10 and 20% kind of non-clinical time, depending a bit on um, how each rotor is staffed. Um, apparently, I also do podcasts now in my in my in my non-typical day um and I've obviously um prepared manuscripts for publication um as part of a kind of academic research role and I review and peer review articles for publication for journals too sometimes so yeah really varied um uh kind of different days um and I think yeah I think that's what we all love about it um Becky, I think that you said you had a really steep learning curve when you first started. I think we can probably all um, appreciate um, that to some extent. Can you can you maybe just tell us, uh, you know, a bit about kind of um, th- that kind of whole concept of transition to being an ANNP from being a bedside nurse? Yeah, sure. So one of the modules during the ANNP course is transition to advanced practice. So this essentially documents your individual journeys through probably one of the toughest years of your life well it certainly was for me um and it it involves a lot of reflection on where you were your experiences and what you've learned along the way so most people who embark on the NMP pathway um have been neonatal nurses for some time and certainly I relished the possibility of extending my roles and skill set what I hadn't really taken into consideration was that despite being a nurse for more than 10 years um, and feeling like I was an expert on caring for these tiny little human beings, that suddenly I'd realised actually how much I didn't know. I remember feeling like I didn't really belong in the nursing team anymore, but I certainly wasn't part of the medical team. So it was quite an isolating time to begin with, um, particularly for me as my two wonderful A&P mentors both retired during my training I didn't take it personally <laughs> um, <laughs> but learning um, skills like feeling for femoral pulses listening for heart murmurs performing venipuncture and newborn checks were initially really quite challenging with um, a great deal of responsibility on your shoulders the first time I admitted a baby to the unit, I felt like I had to justify my rationale to literally everyone. Um, and I had to learn suddenly how to explain concepts to parents that brought their new parent euphoria crashing down around them. My first lumbar puncture and chest drains were utterly terrifying. Um, yeah. And the expectation <laughs> only a week after I'd completed my skills competency that I could intubate, insert umbilical lines and manage a 24-weeker that came through the door um, is an experience I'll never forget. 
Um, but obviously, I have had phenomenal support along the way. But the pressure, probably mainly induced at times, um, of being the person in the know can be quite overwhelming at times. Having said that, I couldn't be prouder of my achievements and feel truly honoured to be able to care for the babies and their families. So, Vicky, you teach on the NMP course. Does some of what I've said resonate with your own experiences and the students that you teach in Southampton? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think you touched on some really um, good points there, Becky, and really eloquently put, I think, about you know, that kind of transition from being like this expert nurse to kind of going through the course and thinking, oh my gosh, like, actually, I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Kind of joke, I think, at the beginning of the course, anyone that's been through it will know that, you know, we kind of joke that actually we, we kind of pick apart all the things that you think you know, and kind of unpick all of that. And then hopefully throughout the year, we put all those building blocks back together and build you back up. So we almost break you down to build you back up, which sounds really harsh. But I think, I think any student... That sounds like the SAS. <laughs> <laughs> I think they do need to put that in the NMP training um, perspectives. NMP <laughs> boot camp. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, but I think it's true. And I think, you know, there's the whole concept, isn't there, of going from the side of the bed to the head of the bed in terms of making decisions. And I certainly found it really hard. And it wasn't until a couple of years, probably post-qualifying, that I really kind of found my feet and it's something that I still struggle with now is that kind of you know confidence in decision making I think um and I think uh, for anyone either as a nurse looking to do it or as a, a medical mentor supporting a trainee kind of ACP in practice I think it's really important to understand that 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 transition is really hard and that it's very different to supervising a junior doctor in practice our needs are quite different in terms of that transition so I think you absolutely need you know your academic institute your higher education institute to be supportive in terms of um the kind of academic tutors and stuff that you have and you need to have a really supportive family um very patient family <laughs> um and i think definitely you need a really really supportive clinical kind of team that supports um your kind of acp journey um so rianne you know you've obviously been through this as well um what advice would you give people going through it of things that you found helpful or things that perhaps were 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 not so helpful for you um well yeah my own experience of transition advance to advanced practice was really shaped by the great teaching and support that I received from Southampton um but I also um went on some short placements that had been arranged um Mm -hmm. so that I could experience being part of an ANMP team um different um, differently to both of you, I was actually um, me and my colleague were uh, the first ANMPs on um, on my unit. So mm. um, the unit and us and as ANMPs were kind of growing together, um, which um, which has it had its positives and its negatives. Um, I really had that imposter syndrome thing mm. that um, that you talked about, Betty. Um, but I kind of decided that I needed to have confidence in the training that I was undertaking um, and that if I was good enough to pass the course, then just maybe I was good enough to actually do this job, um, which kind of was a bit of a kind of needed to get my head around that. Um, and then 
once I did, that was that was really quite helpful. Um, I was so fortunate to have a really supportive nursing manager. So even though she wasn't an advanced practitioner herself, she um, she was really kind of invested in the process um, and a fantastic medical mentor um, who really believed in me. So um, Aww, yeah, um, nice. I would say get get those people in, <laughs> get those people in uh, in place. Um, and um, and then yeah, you can do do whatever you you know you need to do. Um, so Vicky, you've recently completed your doctorate. Many congratulations oh, on that. I have, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, so do we call you Doctor Vicky, or are you Vicky Payne, PhD? <laughs> um, or and Dr. actually, you're you're really great. At <laughs> you're a really great example of where a and training can take you oh well no pressure there thanks for that <laughs> um yeah <laughs> or I could be Dr Vicky Payne who's a nurse but does the job of a doctor but you know is a nurse oh it's all very yeah it all gets very complicated generally I'll respond to most things Vicky oi you um but I think um I've gone I've gone a bit around the houses with this I think when I first when I finished my Viva I was so thrilled I changed my Twitter handle to Dr Vicky Payne and then within 24 hours I'd taken it off and <laughs> just kind of deleted it um and I think generally I mean I don't want to make broad sweeping statements about all nurses but I think generally we're not that good at kind of promoting ourselves or celebrating our own achievements or putting ourselves out there and you know you hear don't you all the time probably on the units you know well I'm just a nurse and it feels a bit uncomfortable a bit showy offy to stick doctor mm -hmm. in front of you um in front of your name um and I think in the end I've spoken to lots of people and I've come around to the fact that actually it was it's a huge achievement it was a huge amount of work I've been studying sort of non-stop with well with some breaks in the middle but mostly for about 10 years um wow. and so if, yeah I know from the A&MP course straight into doing a PhD is essentially what I did which seemed like a great idea at the time um, so actually if you go onto Twitter now you will see I have put Dr Vicky Payne and I think that that is about um I guess sort of celebrating your achievement but it's a it in a, in the same way, it is like when you take on that ANMP ACP kind of role. In that, uh, it's about getting a seat at the table to improve care or to make changes. You know, to improve the quality of care. Um, you know, being an ANMP gives you a seat at a very different table to influence very different decisions at a very different level. And so, for me, the PhD or the doctorate it is is this is the same as that. It's about being able to have a seat at a very another very different table um, to make very different decisions, and I'm really excited about you know what the postdoctorate kind of research world might hold for me, and what opportunities there might be out there. Um, so yeah, and hopefully to inspire others, you know, to show to show nurses, you know, what we can do as a profession and what we can achieve. Um, I think we're in a really exciting place now, where there's so many opportunities for us. Um, you know so I think yeah the PhD is, is a platform to kind of take the role into a different direction there's all sorts of opportunities now isn't there you know like Becky was saying about having time to do QI and kind of local audit work or maybe influence network level policy and um, leading on service development and then there's other you know ACE 
some of our A&MP colleagues are doing other roles, like, you know, being the clinical lead for the neonate unit um, or taking on kind of um, sort of the regional um, advanced practice um, centre roles. Um, we've got an ANMP that's an editor of the Journal of Neonatal Nursing, you know, and then you've got, you know, PhD being linked to kind of consultant level practice. So, you know, I think the, the opportunities are, are really exciting moving forward. Um, and I guess uh, moving on from that a little bit, almost coming full circle to the beginning, really, about some of the challenges for ACP roles. You know, the Higher Edu Education England now have now developed the Centre for Advanced Practice. So you can go and look on their website um, and they've now got these regional advanced practice centres to kind of lead on developing advanced practice across kind of the UK. Um, and there's now a plan, I think, that... Um, HEI, so higher education institutions, are going to be able to be accredited with HEE, um, and it will form some some sort of a register, so not kind of an NMC register for advanced practice, but you'll be able to get accreditation with Higher Education England to show that you've done a course that's gone through rigorous, rigorous, oh, rigorous scrutiny and has met the kind of advanced practice capabilities framework, which HEE published several years ago now. Um, so that's really exciting. I think that's a really exciting time moving forward. And if like, you know, you guys, um, both of you have kind of qualified from a, from a centre that then gets accreditation, you should be able to apply for that kind of retrospectively in the next kind of year or so. So I think that's quite exciting. And then obviously the other thing that we've got that's come out recently is the is the British Association of Perinatal Medicine kind of um, career framework for ANMPs. Um, so, Rianne, you know, as, as a qualified ANMP, have you, what do you think about that? Have you utilised it yet in your kind of career planning? Um, well, um, no, not as yet, <laughs> um, but it's I have got new. my appraisal <laughs> next week. It's quite new, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, do you know what? It's just great that um, that BAPM have acknowledged NMPs as um, such an important part, part of the neonatal workforce. Um, so um, it's not clear how it's going to fit into job planning for me or for my unit. Um, and as I said, ANMPs have kind of grown with the service um, that I have locally. Mm. Um, but it's good to have the framework in place, um, especially as people are taking on the ANMP training and role um, really quite a lot earlier in their careers. Um, yeah. For example, I was in my early 30s when I qualified. Um, so you know, potentially we've got 30 years of having this role and having this title. And, um, you know, the thought of being on an SHO Knights type rotor when you're hobbling around in your <laughs> mid-60s probably, probably doesn't feel a lot of ANMPs with uh, a lot of joy, really. Um, but it's... Uh, um, so I think um, I think it's going to be good to um, recognise that individuals are going to want to follow different routes for progression. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just great that it's there along with accreditation. I think it's going to be really good that some sort of um, register um, might um, might be put in place, because that's something that um, I think we've really thought has been necessary for, for quite a while yeah. now. Um, 
So um, sadly, I think our time might nearly be up. Um, But thank you both so much for your time and contribution to this episode. Um, And thank you out there for those of you who've been listening. And we hope that you found it interesting. Um, So bye for now from all of us. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for taking the time to download our podcast this week. If you enjoy our podcasts, please tell your friends and colleagues and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and, of course, our SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.